So let's pray. Father God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide and lead us in our thoughts as we reflect on this amazing passage. May we each be blessed and enriched and helped along life's journey through all that we share together. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians over these past weeks, and today there's a break in that because the other services have baptisms. And when I saw the schedule and there was a kind of blank for the nine o'clock service, I started to think about this, and I suggested to Mike Norris that I might do something that is consistent with the letter to the Ephesians uh, and look at this passage from the Acts of the Apostles, where Paul is reflecting on... Uh, his time in Ephesus, his three years in Ephesus, and it gives us a lovely picture of the church family in Ephesus and how he related to them. So he's on his journey back to Jerusalem, he's been to Greece, and he's coming back via Miletus. And there should be a map coming up on the screen. Um, now, I have no idea whether this will hopefully might work. I don't know if it does or not. It doesn't really matter. Um, you can see there, almost bang in the middle, Asia. And if you come just down left and downwards, you see Miletus. And above it, Ephesus. Okay? Now, he'd spent three years in Ephesus, and when he left there, he went right round the top through Macedonia and came down to Achaia, and you see Corinth there in Greece on the left. He spent some time there, and then he went back again, but he didn't want to go to Ephesus because he was aiming to get back to Jerusalem, so he didn't want to spend too long. So he actually called in by ship, having come through Troas and across the Bosphorus and so on, he came to Miletus, which is about 30 miles from Ephesus by land. And he sent for the elders, the leaders of the church. And of course, there wasn't any mobile phone in those days, so that must have taken quite a while to get a message to them and then for them to travel and walk or however they traveled uh, on horseback or donkeys or something, or camels maybe, who knows. Uh, they came to Miletus, and there he meets them. Now, just to remind you, I did show these pictures uh, when I was speaking on Ephesus before, but just to remind you, what was it like? Here was Ephesus, and this is the main street, houses and shops on either side, and at the bottom of the library, a cultured place, lots of people live there, a place of great civilization. And we move on, there's the amazing library, and uh, a, one, a wonderful picture. I'm sure many of you have been there and seen that picture as well. And... Then, as you go round the corner, the next slide, you come to the theatre, which is the theatre where the riot took place, because Paul, as you know, had uh, disturbed the uh, trade of some of the silversmiths and others who made these little figurines and statuettes of Artemis, the goddess of the Ephesians, and they were concerned. He'd been there for some three years and they were really worried about what was happening to their own businesses and there was a big riot where they all shouted greatest Diana of the Ephesians or greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. So that's the theatre where that happened and if you go out of the theatre, just turn right and left, you come to a whole area, sort of market area and that's probably where there were quite a lot of shops and businesses and probably where Paul did his tent making. So that just gives you a little bit of a picture of what it was like. So he sends for them, and what amazing words we have read uh, that Simon read to us. A rich treasury about the Christian life. 
the Christian message, its struggles, its blessings, its relationships, its mission, and its hopes. And what a touching scene that is on the beach, when at the end of the passage, they pray together, they weep, they embrace one another, they kiss, and they say their farewells to Paul the Apostle. How Paul cherished them, and they him. And I've called this uh, today to fit in with the, uh, the themes, a cherished family. We, they were a cherished family, and so are we. Now, with so much teaching in these uh, verses that's so full of uh, richness, where do we focus? Here are some classic texts that come up in this passage. The first one is the, the key message of the gospel, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the absolute key. We must never lose sight of that. And in some circles, I'm afraid that might be happening. The next one, Paul says, I've not hesitated to pray a claim to you the whole counsel of God, the treasures that there are in Scripture, the whole of God's purposes and all that there is of teaching in Scripture. That's what he says over the three years. That's what he'd been doing. The next one, I commit to you now, he says, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He says, I'm committing you to God, to this word of grace. That's where you can continue to grow as a Christian, as Christians. And then the words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Words that aren't recorded in the Gospels, if you didn't know where they were found, you know this saying, here is where they come from in this passage that Paul is quoting the words of Jesus. So we have key verses there for the Gospel message, for our discipleship, for our mission, for our growth, and for our lifestyle of generosity. So where do we focus this morning? Where do we focus? Well, I've chosen another verse to just talk to you about for a few moments, and it's coming up now. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This is a verse that tells us how we are cherished. First of all, we are cherished by God. We are the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You are the church of God. You are the people of God. And he purchased you with his own blood. Do you know, we should never forget this. It is a central truth of the gospel, of being Christian. Amid all the ups and downs of your lives, all the opportunities to witness, to show practical love, to enjoy different aspects of life, and then with the struggles and the suffering that you may go through, through ill health, loss and bereavement, you are loved, whatever you might be going through. You are cherished by God so much that he sent his son to the cross in amazing love to give his body, to shed his blood. He loved you and gave himself for you. He bought you by his own blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? And that's why we have communion in the Anglican Church every week at one service or another, to be reminded of how much we are loved and cherished and the cost of that to Jesus Christ and to God himself. 
And we are liberated by the cross. We are set free from all those things that hold us back. We are also forgiven all those things that we thought or said or done that are wrong. We've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. And sometimes we sort of stop there and we've been free. We're free, we call about the liberating love of Christ. In fact, there's more to it than that because this verse tells us that we've been bought by the blood of Christ. We've been purchased. We have been redeemed. And that means not only that we're liberated, but that we've been brought into a new ownership, a new relationship. When in the ancient world, of Roman times, a slave was redeemed, they were purchased and came into new ownership of freedom. And that is true for us. Not only have we been forgiven and freed, but we've been brought into a new family, a cherished family, where God loves us and we love one another. We've been brought into a new family, purchased by the blood of Christ. And we belong. We belong to God. He is our Father, we are his children. We belong to one another. We're members together, one of another. So isn't that amazing? We're never to forget the centrality of redeeming love. Whatever may be going on for you in your life. Remember that Paul went through all sorts of hardships. He talks about them in this passage. Physical suffering, he knew that plots and prison was going to await him. He knew tears. He knew all sorts of deprivation and hardship. But he never forgot this great truth that he was precious to God. He was loved and he was cherished. So we are cherished by God. But we're also cherished by one another. We give and receive love in this new belonging, in this new body and relationship. The verse tells us, be shepherds of the church of God. Now that is addressed to the leaders, but in a sense it's true for all of us that we are to shepherd one another. It's a particular responsibility of church leaders, but it's true for all of us that we're to love one another and be shepherds to one another because so much of scripture tells us this. For example, 1 John 4, 11, as God loved us, we are to love one another as a cherished family, to cherish one another. And we just need to think about how that works out in practice from these words of Paul to the Ephesians here, to the Ephesian leaders. And I'm suggesting there are three things that struck me about how uh, we cherish one another that comes through, that come through this passage. The first is that we are cared for and caring. If you think about being shepherds, it's about looking after people. It's about caring. And many of you are already doing this. I'm not telling you things that you don't already practice. You do in your pods, in your life groups, in your staff teams, in Cameo, in Trekkers, with homeless people, with street angels, as pastoral assistants. You are caring for one another. We all have that need, don't we, to be cared for and to care. 
And see how Paul fulfills this. He does it with tears sometimes. Three times in this passage, tears are mentioned. I served the Lord with tears when I was among you. For three years, I never stopped warning, watching, caring, night and day with tears. And then in the last couple of verses, as they parted, they all wept a lot. Why tears? Was it because he was upset or sad or hurt? Probably all of these, but primarily, I think, they are tears of love that he had for the flock, for the church. So cherished were they, so sad to part. There were tears. Paul tells us also a lot about practical ways in which he showed caring and they cared for one another. He said, these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of others. We know that he did a lot, practically, tent making and other things too. And so many of you do. You are practical in the care you show. By this kind of work, we must help the weak. Especially the case, isn't it? And remember Jesus' words, it is more blessed to give than to receive, a generosity of spirit. And many of you do exactly all those things. And we would just encourage one another to continue to care and to be cared for. That is what it is to be a cherished family. Secondly, we are fed and feeding. Be shepherds of the church of God. The authorised version in the previous phrase says, take heed to all the flock to feed the church of God. And shepherds, they take their sheep to places of pasture. John 10 says that. They take their places, take their sheep to places where they can be nourished and fed. And so we too, as we cherish one another, we want to ensure that we are feeding one another and that we are fed ourselves. Paul says exactly this is our preached everything, all that I can that is helpful to you. I've declared the whole counsel of God as I've sought to feed you. And it's all the themes of scripture, all the wisdom of God. And he says, now I'm about to leave you, I commend you, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So a cherished family is a family that is feeding, that is feeding one another, being fed that is nourished, that is growing in grace, in understanding of scripture, and in living it out in the Christian life and walk on to maturity. And you know, key to this is God's word. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, our daily food, just like bread is, daily food, that we might take that in and be nourished by it. Both publicly, he said, and house to house, both in public arenas and in domestic situations, house to house, that's what Paul did. And so we can encourage one another to share scriptures that have blessed you, that you might bless others. If God has spoken to share the scriptures that God has blessed you with, that that might bless other people too. And in that way, we are nourished, we are fed, and we too can nourish others. So, fed and feeding. And 
we move on to the third thing, which is prayed for and praying. You know, Paul listened to God. Twice he talks about listening to the Holy Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And then at the end, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a small group praying together, a cherished family praying. And they did so before parting. Isn't that something to emulate that when we're with people, socially, lunchtime, in the evenings, coffee, tea, whatever it is, that we might be encouraged to pray before we part. And in the various contexts where we're in small groups or pairs, husbands and wives, pray together, I hope you do. Families, to pray together and be prayed for. And if you're on your own, to have a friend or someone with whom you can pray or a small group, like a life group or a pod. Now you know, I want to say this to you, if you've got no one with whom you can pray, I want you to tell me because I will try and do something about it and find someone for you to pray with. If you're completely on your own, you've got no one supporting you in this way, let me know. So, they accompanied him to the ship. Cherished, cherishing. Through caring, through feeding and nourishing, through praying. A cherished family. The New Living Translation uh, Life Application Bible has this comment on this whole section. I'm going to read it to you because I just discovered this towards the end of my preparation, but I thought it summed it up so well. Paul's relationship with these believers is a beautiful example of Christian fellowship. He'd cared for them and loved them, even cried over their needs. They responded with love and care for him and sorrow over his leaving. They had prayed together and comforted one another. And like Paul, you can build strong relationships with other Christians by sharing, caring, sorrowing, rejoicing, and praying with them. A cherished family. Here the Ephesians, an example for us to emulate. Cherished by God with unfailing love. Cherished by one another. Amen.